This is Julie D. from NordoniaHills.News. The Cleveland Sports Show starts now. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday from Andrew and I at the Cleveland Sports Show. We have so much to talk about today, including NBA playoff talk, soccer talk, as well as some upcoming updates with the NFL Draft, which will be today on ABC and ESPN, and of course, some news regarding the Cleveland Indians as well. But let's get this party started with your sports fact of the day. And a little trivia question for you guys today. Who is the only pitcher since 1916 to pitch five shutouts against one club in a season? That player is, drumroll please, Larry Jaster of the 1966 St. Louis Cardinals is the only pitcher since 1916 to hurl five shutouts against one team in a season. He accomplished the feat against the Los Angeles Dodgers. The shutouts were the first five of Jaster's career, and his only five in 1966. They were pitched on April 25th, surprisingly that's today's date, July 3rd, July 29th, August 19th, and September 28th. He pitched five seasons in the majors after 1966 with the St. Louis Cardinals, the Atlanta Braves, the Montreal Expos, posted a 35-33 and career record, and recorded only two more shutouts after 1966. Now, because we're going to be talking about Indians later, and all you baseball fans out there, I know you're super excited with that stat, but we have to get to MLS soccer first. Of course, the MLS season really starting to take shape now, as DC United has taken control of the Eastern Conference now in first place, 17 points, thanks to five wins, two draws, and two losses. Montreal Impact are in second place with four wins, two draws, and three losses for a combined 14 points, while in third place it is Toronto FC with 13 points, thanks to four wins, to go along with a draw and a loss. For all of you Columbus fans out there, the crew have been underperforming a bit as now they are in fifth place in the Eastern Conference. For all of you Cincinnati fans, your hopes on your team are not looking any greater as FC Cincinnati are now in ninth place with only eight points thanks to two wins, two draws, and four losses. In the Western Conference though, LAFC dominating once again still the best team in the MLS in terms of points. They have seven wins, one draw, and only one loss. Thanks, uh, excuse me, for a combined 22 points. Their rivals, Los Angeles rivals, the LA Galaxy, are three points behind them in second place with 19 points. Thanks to six wins, one draw, and a loss, the Seattle Sounders are in seventh place, or excuse me, third place. I obviously can't count today. They're in third place with five wins, two draws, and a loss for 17 points. And then one more point behind them, FC Dallas with five wins, one draw, and two losses for a total of 16 points. Now, of course, this is Ohio, so we're going to do some Columbus crew talk here. And the crew last night lost to the first seed, D.C. United, thanks to a goal from Wayne Rooney in the 27th minute. The past few games for the Columbus crew included a 3-1 loss at home to Portland this past Saturday. But they 
lost on Saturday, or excuse me, Saturday the 13th of April. They were in Montreal and lost to the Impact by a final score of one to nothing. Upcoming games for the crew include this upcoming Saturday at 8:30, where they will be in Houston, Texas, to take on the Houston Dynamo, and then they will head to Washington D.C., our nation's capital, to face D.C. United once more. This time, it will be at Audi Field in our nation's capital. Yesterday, the crew lost at home to D.C. United, so definitely a lot of tension going in Saturday, May 4th's game against D.C. United. After their matchup with D.C. United, the crew will host the second best team in the Western Conference, the L.A. Galaxy. For FC Cincinnati, as I mentioned before, it's really not looking too good for them. They lost to Real Salt Lake at home by a final score of 3 to nothing. Before that, they were out in Los Angeles to take on LAFC and lost 2 nothing in that game. As I mentioned before in our last episode, they tied with Sporting Kansas City 1-1. to The upcoming schedule for FC Cincinnati include a date with the New York Red Bulls in New York and then heading to Philadelphia to take on the Union and then they will head to San Jose and complete their road trip against the San Jose Earthquakes before heading back home for a match against the Montreal Impact on May 11th. And actually on my Twitter page I posted some highlights between Barcelona and Manchester United. If you haven't checked those out, head on to at Nordonia Sports on Twitter. I am Darius Sethna. But nonetheless, Barcelona defeated Manchester United 3-0 in the second leg of the quarterfinals this past, or excuse me, Tuesday, April 16th. And the semifinals of the UEFA Champions League will begin this upcoming Tuesday. April 30th, with Tottenham Hotspur facing off against Ajax Amsterdam, and then Barcelona facing off against Liverpool the very next day, Wednesday, May 1st. And then, of course, a week later, Liverpool and Barcelona will be playing on May 7th, while Ajax and Tottenham Hotspur will be facing off on Wednesday, May 8th. The final is on the 1st of June at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. In terms of goals for the UEFA Champions League, Lionel Messi now the top scorer in the UEFA Champions League this year with 10 goals, the first player to reach double-figure scoring in goals in this year's Champions League. Dusan Tadic of Ajax is in second place with 9 goals. Bayern Munich star Robert Lewandowski in third place with 8 goals. And then Cristiano Ronaldo is in fifth place with 6 total goals for Juventus. And that concludes our soccer talk, ladies and gentlemen. A lot going on in the soccer universe right now, especially with the Women's World Cup coming up this summer. And then, obviously, UEFA Champions League action, as well as the MLS. But let's get into some NBA talk here, Andrew. And a lot has happened over these last few weeks. Unfortunately, we were not able to have um, an episode last week. And we really missed quite a lot. The Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Clippers 
are going. That series is going to a, a sixth game. Yeah, they're really going at it. I did not even mm-hmm. think it was going to go to a fifth game, Andrew. Honestly, um, in the blink of an eye, Paul George, Russell Westbrook are out, thanks to an insane three-pointer by Damian Lillard. You know, I did not expect the Thunder to be losing um, in the first round yeah, for a same. third consecutive year. Um, Nets obviously handled business against the 76ers, but got a scare in Game 1. Mm-hmm. Um, same case for the Raptors as they lost Game 1 to the Orlando Magic 104-101, but then won the next four games. The Bucks made easy work of the Detroit Pistons um, in a four-game sweep. Rockets defeated the Jazz um, last night four games to one. Then, of course, the Celtics swept the Indiana Pacers, who are without Victor Oladipo. I definitely think that series would have had a much different outcome if Victor Oladipo was playing in that series, Andrew. The yeah. Nuggets and Nets are facing off in the first round still. Game six of that series is tonight, as the Spurs will um, look to not be eliminated tonight, as they will face against face off against the Denver Nuggets. Now, Andrew, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this. Let's start with the Sixers and Nets. Um, Obviously, the Sixers made comfortable work of the Brooklyn Nets in five games. Game five, the Sixers destroyed the Nets, outscoring them in all of the quarters except the fourth. They outscored the Nets by 17 in the first quarter, and then by 12 in the second quarter, before winning the ultimately winning the game by 22 points. Andrew, what was your reaction to Joel Embiid's health concerns? What did you see from the Brooklyn Nets as well? What's your overall analysis on this series? You know, I think uh, Brooklyn played a lot better than I thought. You know, winning uh, one game against a 76ers team with Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Tobias Harris, those are all wonderful players and for them to at least win one game and then some other games that they at least gave them a battle I think that was really good for them and you know another one huge shock that I am also very surprised with was Oklahoma City and a lot of talk has um, been arousing these last few days about Russell Westbrook about you know how he's really not a great shooter Mm -hmm. you know he has Paul George for a reason and that's because Paul George is there to carry some of that offensive load. And this was one major reason of why the Oklahoma City Thunder lost um, in this five-game series to the Portland Trailblazers. Um, That's why the Thunder really weren't able to be successful in this series. Um, Russell Westbrook really was not able to, you know, finish off that decision-making, you know, whether it was a pass or a shot. And, you know, that three-pointer from Damian Lillard I just, just left me absolutely speechless, Andrew. What was your reaction, you know, in the blink of an eye, the Thunder are already out of the playoffs. What was your reaction to that? You know, I was pretty surprised. I actually thought the Thunder were going to come out and uh, win the series for once. But, no, the Blazers, they had, they had other plans. You know, I think that them getting in his cancer was a great sign. You know, and uh, C.J. Collum, he's really coming up now. Same with Dame. I, I, you know, Dame has he's like really showing us what he can do in the playoffs. You know, that game winner. This is his second time making a game winner in the playoffs. So I think that's really amazing. And you know, Andrew, especially you know being swept last year, which was the Trailblazers' case. 
against the New Orleans Pelicans, even when they had home court advantage last year, to come out and pretty much be dominant against Oklahoma City. Even in Game 3, Andrew, that was not a that was not an easy win for the Thunder as they only won by 12 points. Final score of 120 to 108. The Blazers actually outscored them 43 to 37 in that third quarter of Game 3. So it's not like the Thunder, you know, were happily prancing along in Game 3 and, you know, took care of business in a relatively easy fashion. That was not the case at all. And just the amount of pressure that the Blazers kept putting on Russell Westbrook to make shots. Um, you know, Alpha Rukamino really did step up in this series, and it led to a Game 4 win in Oklahoma City for the Trailblazers. I'm extremely disappointed in the Thunder because, honestly, Andrew, the winner of this Portland-Oklahoma City series is going to be playing, which is Portland, of course, they're going to be playing the winner of San Antonio and Denver. So if Oklahoma City won this series against the Blazers, they'd either play the Spurs or the Nuggets. And if they won that series, they'd be already in the conference mm-hmm. finals. So this was a team that I was expecting to yeah. get into the conference finals, and now they're out of the first round and haven't even won two games in the playoffs. Um, Russell Westbrook, since Kevin Durant has left Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook has not won a playoff game on the road. And plus, the future isn't looking that great uh, for Oklahoma City either, especially um, I was watching ESPN The Jump this afternoon, and they were talking about how um, the salary cap for Oklahoma City, um, it's pretty much getting there. They don't have a lot of spending money, and what they need are shooters, of course, to put around Russell Westbrook. They did not have a lot of that in this series, and with the efficient backcourt of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, it obviously showed that they were not ready to take on such an illustrious backcourt. But nonetheless, the first round in the East, Andrew, is over, and we have our matchups for that Eastern Conference um, semifinal matchup. It'll be the 76ers taking on the Raptors. Toronto will have home court. And then the Celtics, who are the four seed, are going to be taking on the number one Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo. First two games in Milwaukee in that series. They're going to get whipped. It's, it's over for Boston. This will be their season after uh, Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee will definitely win that. And then Philadelphia versus Toronto. I got Toronto winning that one. I think Philadelphia is a little bit overrated. Their, their bench isn't all that good. Well, how about you, Darius? What, what um, you, you know, you Andrew, mean? I honestly completely disagree with you on the oh, series right. between Boston and Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Let's be 100% honest here. Neither of these teams had formidable opponents in their first round. Um, you know, Boston had uh, Victor Oladipo with Pacers, and the Milwaukee Bucks got a Detroit Pistons team who had Blake Griffin playing basically on one leg for only two of the games. But who's going to – there's no one in Boston that can really guard Giannis. Are you going to put Al Horford on him? I don't think that's going to work. But let's, let's think about this. Offensively, the Bucks destroyed the Pistons 121 to 86 in Game One. Absolutely destroyed them, mm-hmm. and that was without Blake Griffin. And then in Game Two, they did basically the same thing. They won by 21 in Milwaukee before heading out to Game Three, 
where they destroyed the Pistons once again at um, Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. You know, as valiant as Blake Griffin was, let's be honest here, we had no playoff expectations for the Pistons, even if they were healthy. Yeah. They still only made the eighth seed. But if Victor Oladipo was with the Indiana Pacers, we'd be thinking, okay, this probably and the way the Celtics season went, we were probably thinking, okay, well, the Pacers might actually have a chance to win this series, even if they don't have home court advantage. Here's the reason I disagree with you on the Bucks absolutely destroying the Celtics. I do pick the Celtics to win this series, and the reason why is because of experience. The Milwaukee Bucks do not have the experience that is required for high moments like this. We saw the Indiana Pacers didn't have a lot of experience, and it showed against the Boston Celtics. The Celtics went to a Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals last year and lost by only 8 points to a Cavs squad that had no business even being in the playoffs without LeBron James. So you add in that factor. You add in how well Kyrie Irving has played in these playoffs. Yeah, okay, he had 14 points on Easter Sunday in the closeout Game 4 against the Pacers, but that doesn't matter to me. 20 points, 37 points, and 19 points through the first three games of that series. Now, you're right about no one's going to be able to stop Giannis. Mm -hmm. But here's one thing. Giannis can't shoot the basketball, Andrew. And the reason the Celtics have a chance is because if they can close out all those three-point shooters and they just give Giannis dunks, you have a much more valuable player in Kyrie Irving who can make tough shots. He can hit the three as well. So he's the all-star on the Boston Celtics who can shoot the basketball. Yes, Giannis is tall and he'll dunk over everyone. Great. But the Celtics have a lot more pieces around them, such as Terry Rozier, Jason Tatum, who can get the job done. That is why the Celtics should be able to make the Bucks work in this series. I don't expect this to be, you know, an easy sweep or anything like that. I expect the Bucks to give the Celtics a run for their money. But just on paper and the roster, I expect the Celtics to play gritty defense. Yes, they don't have Marcus Smart, so that will compromise them defensively. But I look at the series, and I think it'll be Boston in either six or seven games. I'm expecting the Bucks to win at least two games in this upcoming series. Now, in terms of Raptors and 76ers, I would agree with you on the, um, the Raptors most likely going to win this yeah. series. And the reason I say that is because of the fact that the Raptors have home court. And given the fact that Joel Embiid is not at 100% right now um, in terms of his health, I also give um, that factor to the Toronto Raptors. And actually, Andrew, the Raptors won the season series between them and the 76ers 3-1. to one. And actually, on February 5th of this year, um, just a regular old regular season day in the NBA, the Raptors were actually in Philadelphia to face the 76ers and were up by 40-28 to 28 in the first quarter and eventually won the game by a final score of 119 to 107. So it's not like the Raptors are just playing around here. And now with their all-star in Kawhi Leonard, who is healthy, mm -hmm. unlike Joel Embiid, and plus the shooting restrictions of Ben Simmons, the Raptors should be able to close out J.J. Redick. And that's why I give the Raptors the edge in this series. Because let's face it, who on the Philadelphia 76ers 
outside of J.J. Redick is a prolific three-point shooter. Not to, not Tobias Harris. Yes, Tobias Harris can shoot the three. He can, yeah. But is he the number one option on the 76ers when it comes to three-point shooting? No. That would happen to be this guy named J.J. Redick. Mm-hmm. And if the Raptors can shut down J.J. Redick, that will be a much-needed aspect for them to win this series. I expect the Raptors to win this series in either six or seven games, just like Milwaukee and Boston. This Eastern Conference uh, second round is going to be pretty awesome, Andrew, not going to lie. And then we're most likely going to have the Warriors taking on the Rockets unless the Clippers pull off a major, major upset, which honestly I don't see uh, happening. But what's your reaction, speaking of the Rockets, um, what's your reaction of them being able to make quick work of the Utah Jazz, and how would you assess James Harden, James Harden's uh, performance in these playoffs so far? You know, um, I'm a bit surprised of how, how bad he's been playing, actually, you know. But they still seem to be getting wins, so that's pretty good, you know. And uh, I, I know, like, one game he had, like, 20 misses in a row, something like that, and they still came out with the win, so that just shows how good of the team they really are without Harden really playing that well. And, you know, we, we say he's not playing that well, Andrew. Last night uh, against the Jazz in that closeout game, five twenty six points. Um, his lowest point production in this series has been 22 points. Uh, that was in game three against the Jazz, which they still won mm-hmm. by three. So, we, you know, everyone always talks about, oh, Harden chokes in the playoffs. He has a great regular season, but then just chokes in the playoffs. Not necessarily, or excuse me, this won't necessarily be the case this year. These are not horrendous numbers, Andrew. I know we're used to James Harden putting up, you know, 60 a game and all that um, awesome stuff. But these are the playoffs. This is a much different animal. And I think James Harden has handled that well. I mean, look at his stats. The numbers don't lie. Other than Game 3, James Harden has been shooting well. He's been shooting... Um, in Game 1, he shot 11 of 26 from the field. 11 of 24 from the field in Game 2. 8 of 19 um, in Game 4, which was a loss for the Rockets. But then last night, he was 10 of 26 from the field. 3 of 12 from 3-point range. If James Harden can put up these kind of numbers... Plus, Clint Capella is healthy again from yeah. the, uh, those viruses. Mm-hmm. Plus, you add in the point guard of Chris Paul. Chris Paul. The Rockets were inches, if not centimeters, away from going to the NBA Finals. If Chris Paul wasn't injured, Andrew, I think that's an entirely different outcome in last year's Western Conference Finals. And now with a healthy Chris Paul, the Rockets have a great chance to defeat the Golden State Warriors in the second round. The only problem is is that in the Western Conference Finals last year, Rockets had home court advantage. This year, if they were to face the Warriors, which they most likely will, that will not be the case. The first two games would be in Oakland. And Andrew, I actually want to get your predictions for tonight's game, Spurs and the Nuggets from San Antonio at AT&T Center. Nuggets lead the series 3-2. to two. In the series... Um, so far, San Antonio actually came out with a game one victory as they defeated the Nuggets 101 to 96 in game one to take that important one nothing series lead. However, they lost by nine this past Tuesday, um, or excuse me, not this past Tuesday, um, in game two on Tuesday the 16th, 114-105, the final score. However, in game three, Derek White had the game 
of his life as he put up 36 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds, all in 33 minutes to give the Spurs a 2-1 lead in that series and defeat the Nuggets 118-108. to Now, the Spurs had a chance to take a commanding 3-1 lead at home. However, the Nuggets were not going to let that happen as Nikola Jokic put up 29 points in Game 4 thanks to another 24 from Jamal Murray. The Nuggets were able to defeat the San Antonio Spurs by a final score of 117-103. to And then in Game 5, the all-important... It's now a three-game series, right? Um, Nuggets take Game 5 by 18 total points. They outscore the Spurs by 11 in the third quarter and now have a 3-2 lead going into tonight in Game 6. Andrew, what are your thoughts on you know how DeMar DeRozan and the Spurs are going to handle this this pressure of being eliminated by the Denver Nuggets tonight? And what outcome do you expect for tonight's game? I think the Spurs are going to win. Greg Popovich isn't going to go out like this. If he uh, if he does go out, it's going to be a fight in Game Seven, that's for sure. You know, Dar- Demar Derozan, he's really going to have to play his heart out this game. You know, I think that he is really he's an All Star player. He could be an MVP someday. I think. He really needs to play this game and show everybody what's up. And you know, Andrew, you talk about DeMar DeRozan, who needs to play well. Another player that I'm really going to be interested to see and uh, locked in on for tonight's game is LaMarcus Aldridge. He's not Mm -hmm. a prolific three-point shooter, but he's someone who can hit tough mid-range shots and get to the paint when you need him to. He's a great asset for this San Antonio Spurs team. In this series, he's put up 15, 24, 18, 24, and 17 points. So he's getting over 15 points, or at least 15 points in games. And I remember, you know, Andrew, this year he had a 56-point game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So it's not like Lamar, LaMarcus Aldridge is a scrub in any kind of way. They're going to need that. They're going to need that bench production of Patty Mills as well. He's a key component for this Spurs team. Throughout the course of the season this year, he's only been putting up about um, eight points per game, but his quick senses, his ability to handle the ball in tight situations will definitely help the Spurs in terms of their bench. And a lot of people, Andrew, have been saying that this has been Greg Popovich's best coaching job with this roster that he has. you know, to be in this position to maybe make it past the first round against this Denver Nugget team, they'll have to win two more games to do that. But still, to be in that position, Andrew, with no doubt, is um, is rather quite impressive, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I agree. So that concludes our NBA talk. Um, upcoming games in the playoffs include, of course, Andrew and I just mentioned Denver and San Antonio um, head-to-head in Game 6 tonight at 8 p.m. on TNT. The Warriors will be in Los Angeles at Staples Center for Game 6 tomorrow. I cannot believe I'm actually saying that. The Warriors and Clippers are going to play Game number (laughs) 6 at Staples Center tomorrow, um, 10 o'clock Eastern Time at the Staples Center in L.A. Um, Clippers trying to keep their season alive. Now, from playoff basketball, we're going to move to some... MLB baseball here and of course you can't have MLB baseball without the Cleveland Indians on the Cleveland Sports Show 
So let's get this party started with the Indians, who this past Saturday um, defeated the Atlanta Braves at home. They kicked, um, excuse me, the first game between the two was postponed. Um, they will, uh, of course, have a redo of that game. Um, but in their first game, which was Saturday, April 20th, the Braves defeated the Indians by a final score of 8-4. to four. After the first inning, the game was tied at one apiece. The Atlanta Braves actually took a 2-1 to one lead after the third inning. Indians were able to tie it after the fourth. And then the Indians score six runs in the fifth inning before the Atlanta Braves scored two of their own in the seventh making that a final score of 8-4. The Indians then, or excuse me, the Indians then lost to the Atlanta Braves um, two, two straight games at Progressive Field in Cleveland by a final score of 8-7 and then by 11-5. The Indians then kicked off a two-game homestand against the Miami Marlins, losing their first game to them by a final score of 3-1 this past Tuesday. The Marlins scored three innings in that, or excuse me, three runs in that fifth inning before the Indians were able to get a run of their own in the seventh inning. However, it was all a little too late as they lost to the struggling Miami Marlins right now, who are seven and seventeen. Indians are thirteen and ten after a win yesterday against Miami at Progressive Field. The Indians, after the first inning, took a one nothing lead, and then the third inning, after the third inning, took a two nothing lead. Miami scored a run in the fifth inning to get that score back to two to one, and then in the eighth inning, a lot of action occurring then as the Indians outscore the Marlins four to one in that eighth inning to win the game by a final score of two to six. Upcoming games for the Indians is that they will, uh, excuse me, they'll, they will be in Houston, Texas today, tomorrow, and Saturday for matchups with the Houston Astros, who we recall uh, went to the World Series a couple of years ago. Then they will head off to Miami this time to face the Marlins before coming home for six or excuse me seven games at Progressive Field against the Seattle Mariners and Chicago White Sox. So, Andrew, I know you have some things to tell us about the Indians. Um, what's really your overall analysis on how the Indians' season has been going so far, and what can you tell us about their roster? Man, we need more hitters. Because it seems like, uh, you know, Jose Ramirez isn't doing it right now. His batting average is 184. That's really bad for a guy that finished MVP for third place uh, last year, you know, but it still is the beginning of the season, so so I can't really uh, get it get it right now. You know, I'm sure he'll get back into it. And Francisco Lindor, he 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 came back too. His batting average is a lot lower than it usually is, 222. So one thing we really need is uh, hitters because our team we have a lot of guys that can run. Everyone can run on the team. That's what I like. But we'll, we we always need hitters. And last but certainly not least, all of you NFL fans out there, the NFL draft is on today on ABC as well as ESPN. You can catch all the action. You know, Andrew, it seems like um, the NFL season is really far away, not for a few months, but, you know, um, 
it'll be September before you know it, and the NFL season will start again, the Patriots, the defending champions. So, Andrew, what do you have to tell us um, about tonight's um, essential NFL draft um, for the upcoming year? All right, so the very first pick in the draft, Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray. Uh, last year, they also chose um, a quarterback, Josh Rosen, who had a horrible season. I, I really hope they pick Kyler Murray and trade Josh. I think this would be a great pickup for them. Now the San Francisco 49ers, Nick Bosa, he's a defensive end. He's a great player in Ohio State. I saw a lot of games from this guy. He, he's, he's awesome. And for the third pick, the New York Jets, Quentin Williams. He's from Alabama, a defensive tackle. You know, I haven't seen much out of this guy. I, I think he'll be really good. It says he has, like, he, he's getting, he gets a lot of tackles. So I, he should be good. And Andrew, how do you think that each of these individual players, you know, such as Kyler Murray, can affect their respective teams in the future? Well, you know, for Kyler Murray, it all depends on what is he going to pick. Is he going to pick baseball? Is he going to pick football as his uh, top priority right now? But uh, if he does play for the Cardinals, I, I, I think the Cardinals would be really good in the future. And Nick Bosa, I think he he's like he can be like the Miles Garrett of a team. He will be he'll make that team defensive defensively different. And you said Kyler Murray is uh, choosing between baseball and football right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, on your analysis of Kyler Murray, which sport do you think that he would be more successful in overall? No, I haven't really seen him in baseball, but uh, I've I've seen play him uh, play in football, and I think he should go for football. He, I've seen him throw the ball really well. He can run it too. He's really good. And either way, he's going to be making millions of dollars. Yeah. So, you know, either way, you know, when you're choosing between playing in the MLB or the NFL, chances are you're a pretty good athlete. And uh, for the last thing for the NFL, Russell Wilson, he just got the largest contract in the NFL, four years, $140 million and a $65 million bonus. Uh, that's, that's really crazy. You know, and uh, he, he also thinks so. He, he said he was really glad to be the most paid player and he was actually trying to get traded he didn't want to re-sign with them you know I think it's really crazy so Andrew that's pretty much over um, 200 million dollars that he'll be making you said 65 dollar million 65 million dollar bonus I'm interested to know why do NFL players get those you know bonuses where in the NBA that really doesn't happen all the money's just um, comes together in one. Why is that uh, additional bonus there in, for NFL players? You know, I honestly don't know. I think the 140 million is really enough for them. I think the 65 million bonus is kind of, it's kind of stupid. I, I think so. You know, maybe possible uh, ideas for retirement or yeah. you know something to have mm-hmm. you know furthermore. But again, that's over 200 million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's about the amount of money that Russell Westbrook is making on his contract right now in the NBA. And ladies and gentlemen, that concludes today's episode for the Cleveland Sports Show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we, Andrew and I truly support um, you guys You know, taking almost 45 minutes of your time to listen to us talk about Cleveland sports on and on, and of course other sports going on around the world and the country. Um, if you haven't seen what I've been posting, make sure you check it out at Nordonia Sports. I am Darius Sefna. And until next week, guys, have a great week. Um, Have a lot to talk about in the NBA playoffs. Um, Definitely a lot going on in the NBA playoffs. But until then, 
Have an awesome week, and we'll see you for another edition of the Cuban Sports Show very soon. Thank you very much, guys, and have an awesome week.